Hi, everyone. This is Melissa. And Kate. And Lainey. And we are the The Louisiana Louisiana Ladies. We are so glad you are here. Check us out on Instagram at Louisiana Ladies Podcast and visit us online at laladies.info. Back with another episode of Louisiana Ladies. Uh, this is Melissa, and I am uh, by myself today, except with our fabulous guest, Ashley Stroder, who is the program director for Maddie's Footprints. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Melissa. Thanks so much for having me yes, join you today. We're excited. Yes. Um, before we talk about this, just to let our listeners know, we did have Mandy Cushing. I was also, when she was sitting here, I was worried I was going to say her last name <laughs> wrong. She was on. Um, um, on the episode that dropped September 4th. And so we talked about her role with Maddie's Footprints and really more of an intro to what Maddie's Footprints is and the organization and how it came to be. We're going to dig a little bit more uh, with Ashley. So that being said, some of these topics are going to be a little sensitive in nature. And we just want to let everyone know because we are talking about um, the loss of a child. um, Through miscarriage, stillbirth, or infant death. So I wanted to just put that out there. It is a... Hard topic to talk about, but I think what you guys are doing is absolutely fabulous for these families. So anyway, if that if that is a sensitive subject for any of our listeners, feel free to just not listen to this episode. Um, but Ashley, okay, so let's talk a little bit about you, a little background. Sure. Where are you from? I am originally from Maurice, Louisiana, which is a small town outside of Lafayette. Okay. Um, I can kind of, I kind of hear a little bit of an accent. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, but I currently reside in Brobridge. Okay. Yes. Is that Bahoma? No. Brobridge is. Ah, But the listeners know I am directionally challenged. (laughs) Okay. okay. Uh, Brobridge is between Lafayette and Baton Rouge. Oh, okay. So just off I-10. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, thanks for coming in. So before this. So as the program director, let me ask this first. Right. This is your full-time job. It is my full-time job. Okay. Yes. Before this, though, you were a social worker. I am a social worker. So you are. Yes. Kind of educate me on how that works. I um, received my undergraduate degree um, at UL in 2005 in liberal arts. Oh, okay. And then I pursued my master's degree in social work from LSU. Okay. Graduated in 2008 with my master's. Okay. In social work. In social work. Yes. So can you, I guess like what I think of social work or social worker and maybe what it really is might be two different things. So when you graduate with your master's, what are most people pursuing after that in terms of their career? I mean, like what organizations do they go work for? Right. That's really so um, social work is a profession that is very broad. So okay. I have several different colleagues who do a variety um, of jobs. Shortly after receiving my social work degree, um, my internship was at Women's and Children's Hospital in Lafayette. Okay. Um, and when I graduated in May, in June, I was hired on as a full-time social worker. Okay. So um, working in the hospital setting, I did grief work. Um, we had, I met with families, um, who had unfortunately suffered the loss of a child. Oh, so okay. that's really okay. when I began my grief work journey. Okay. Um, we also worked with moms and dads in, in ICU. Okay. Um, we worked with teen moms. We worked in the ER doing, um, psych 
patients who would come through locating beds um, for them to get inpatient treatment. So I truly base a lot of my um, experience as a social worker back to women's and children's because we wore several different hats for sure. So kind of a ignorant question on my part. What's the difference between a social worker and a therapist? Okay. So a social worker kind of has more, um, we deal kind of, I guess you would say more with resources and finding resources for, um, for people who are in need. Okay. Now as a social worker, you can do therapy as well though. Oh, okay. So, so uh, yeah, cause I wasn't sure if there was like right. different education or different licenses yes. or some, you know, so once you nuances. be, once I graduated with my social work degree, I was considered, um, a master's in social work. Okay. And then you had to take a test and oh. you became a licensed master's social worker. Okay. Um, and then you have the next credentials, which are a licensed clinical social worker, um, which you have to take another test, Lots of test. to get okay. yes, the okay. credentials for that. Okay. At this current time, I am a licensed medical social worker. Okay. Um, master social worker, excuse me. And I also do consultation under a licensed clinical social worker. Okay. So that is how I am able to provide um, the therapeutic side to our families okay. at Maddie's Footprints. Well, because, yeah, I mean, I could just see, like, it's, you know, you can't be like, okay, I'm not a therapist. I'm just going to find resources. Like, I right. feel like that's, you know, it's, yes. they're going to overlap to right. a certain extent, yes. right? Especially right. with what you're doing. Yes. Well, I mean, I think anytime any social worker, pretty much any situation, infants, family, Yes. Home displacement, something like that. It's all sensitive and it's all, it is. it's all emotional right. too. Right. Okay. But at Maddie's, um, for instance, when I do my follow-up calls, um, with families, um, some of my first questions are, these are the emotional, I let them know the emotional support options that we provide. So I do individuals as well as couples okay, sessions yeah, I saw that. in my office. Okay. Um, and that's basically just to kind of process the family's grief, um, you know, explain the difference how, you know, as a couple, a woman and a man are going to grieve completely different mm-hmm. and the importance of communication between one another, um, going through this grief journey. But we also provide emotional support to the whole family. So when I do a follow-up call, one of my main questions is, do you have other children and what are their ages? And at that point, I'm able to provide them with resources in the area that provide support to children okay. who have suffered the loss of their sibling. Yeah. Whether it's, it's all goes by age. Um, so if I have a mom who has a three-year-old child who knew mom was pregnant and doesn't totally understand that mom lost the baby, mm-hmm. we can still provide them with books um, that are age appropriate for each of their ages. So that is one of the special things about Maddie's Footprints is we want to help the entire family Okay, um, on this journey. Yeah. So um, I would think, and this is one of the things that I told Mandy and I'm, you know, I don't um, just let, you know, I do not have any children, but I had um, a very good friend of mine who her second pregnancy um, I guess it was her second pregnancy. Um, 
she texted me. She was probably maybe 31, 32 weeks with, uh, you know, we lost the baby, had to have a funeral and stuff like that. And, um, so while I've haven't been through it personally, I've seen the tragedies that can happen because it is, it's tragic. Is it, we kind of talked, we alluded to this a little bit when we had Mandy on, you know, to, to me, and I can say this and this is not to be insensitive, but I really firmly believe that those babies, are in their true angels mm-hmm. and they have never sinned. They are literally the purest of the pure, but I don't want to just be like, okay, you can just think that and then move on. Right. You grieve for the life that's right. that they didn't have. Yes. And that's got to be right. Not only are you grieving the loss, you're just grieving the loss of the life that they never had. And that, I, I don't even know if I could wrap my mind around that and how people okay. go through that, you know? And listen, you know, we all know um, as doing this line of work that um, there's a lot of different stages that one goes through in grief. And um, one of the first ones is anger. I was going to ask you that. Are, um, they are angry. Mm-hmm. So when you have someone... Um, in the family who is, well, your baby is now an angel. Right. That might not be what they, mom and dad want to hear correct, at that time. Correct. Right? So I think it's just really, really important that we kind of never put, I guess you would say, a religious part on it, mm-hmm. especially from my standpoint. Mm-hmm. I never do. Um, I don't even ask really what their religious preference okay. is. Okay. And um, I think that's just, you know, my role as a social worker yeah. is to, um, you know, just meet them where they are and never say things that may trigger something within them. Now, some, yes, who have a very strong faith and a very strong belief, they do rely heavily Mm -hmm. on their faith. Mm -hmm. But I cannot just assume that every family does. Yeah, no. And that's where I I agree with you that sometimes we tell ourselves, the people that are on the outside supporting whoever's grieving – um, we tell ourselves certain things because we're not in this situation. And sometimes I think it's to make ourselves feel better. And I mean, I, I know that sounds like harsh, but yeah. you know, I do think it's, you know, when we, when something can't be explained yes. when it happens and I'm, I mean, I don't know what the statistics are on stillborn and if, you know, if there's any indication that that could have happened or like, what's the percentage? Cause I feel like I also had a friend who, they knew that the baby was going to be stillborn and yes. she carried, she carried him to term. There was um, maybe like a genetic, I'm going to say mutation, I'm gonna right. sound, but you know, some, yes. so they knew, right. And, and that, I'm not saying that makes it any easier, but they right. knew. But then I feel like there's, there might be instances where it also happens Yes. and the parents were not aware, like they, the, 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 um, it, it was a healthy, viable pregnancy. Yes. Does that happen as well? I'm literally oh, absolutely. asking. No, okay. absolutely. And I think, you know, when we, that is something else that Maddie's Footprints offers um, that I am very glad that we, that I'm able to provide is anticipatory grief. Okay. So um, we work very closely, especially in the Acadiana area. Okay. Um, with maternal, um, maternal fetal um, doctors. Okay. Who, you know, if mom is being seen by a regular OB doctor. And then they do like a 20-week anatomy ultrasound. Okay. And they see that there is some anomalies. Then they refer. Um, So we work very closely because I think it is so important, especially with these families, that if we can kind of, you know, walk with them, those 
weeks or months leading up to the actual delivery and process some of their thoughts and reassure them that Maddie's footprints will be here financially because it is, it is a burden. Yeah, it is. Um, Most families, you know, you just assume when you become pregnant that you are going to have a healthy, Healthy baby, happy baby. Mm -hmm. And um, unfortunately that is not always the case. So I have had several moms as well as dads come into my office and kind of just process some of the thoughts that they're feeling. And we're able to kind of explain to them, okay, this is what's going to take place when you go to the hospital. And this is what, when you are admitted into the hospital, ask for keepsakes ask for pictures. Um, the social workers will reach out to me. I will then reach out to the funeral home of your choice, um, and kind of start the process a little bit earlier for them, because we all know that in that moment, their main goal and purpose is to spend as much time that they can with their, with their deceased child. Mm -hmm. Um, and so in situations like this, when we're able to kind of start walking them, taking the steps into what will happen when they do deliver. Now, that is not always the case. Mm -hmm. Um, Oftentimes, I have um, moms in Acadiana as well as Baton Rouge that I receive an application. And when I call mom, had no complications. She's 35 weeks, Mm -hmm. has decreased movement goes into the hospital and there is no No heartbeat. heartbeat. That's what happened to my friend. And that is, they're just in complete shock. Yeah. Um, And that is where I'm able to kind of step in and kind of, you know, give them the steps like, okay, this is what, first of all, let's discuss what are your wishes for your baby? Will it be a cremation? Will it be a burial? Um, Have you guys chosen a funeral home? And then my role is to then, call the funeral home, let them know, listen, this family suffered a loss today, explain what hospital that the baby is located. And then as soon as mom is discharged from the hospital, she then meets with the funeral home. And then the funeral home sends us the bill and Maddie's footprints Okay, provides payment towards services okay. for the babies. That situation is what happened to my friend. She noticed she was you know busy. She was working. And then noticed there wasn't any movement, went to the hospital, and then they, they I believe, I might be getting the, the details confused, but I mean, I think they had to induce labor at that yes. point. She was too far along. Um, and, you know, gave the baby a name. Baby had a birth certificate and stuff like that in a funeral. And it was probably one of the saddest things that I've ever been through. But I also find that my friend and her husband are two of the strongest people that I've ever met in my life. Um, but the whole thing is just... One of the things we talked about with Mandy is, and I think this goes for grief of any kind, um, people can feel really alone. And I, Absolutely. like you put this, you know, yes. always know that you are not alone on your grief journey. And I just think our minds can make us feel like we're alone and there's no one that understands or we're going to be going through this and we're going to have to deal, you know, that these moms are going to have to deal with it themselves And that's not the case, you know, and I feel like, again, I just kind of feel like women in general are a little bit reluctant to ask for help, you know? Absolutely. And that is one of the first things when I do my follow-up call, I always ask, what is your support system like? And oftentimes, what do they say? They'll say, my support system is good, but 
No one seems to understand me. Yeah. And I just encourage them, listen, I know as women, we do not often ask for help. But right now, in order for you to heal emotionally, mentally, as well as physically, Mm -hmm. it is important to reach out to family. Or if family reaches out and says, can I bring a meal? Yep. Absolutely. But also having boundaries yes. as well. Because oftentimes we can, you know, especially with grief, people, we talked about this at the beginning, don't know how to handle the, grief, yes. right? So you have some who do not acknowledge it at all, yep. which in turn may cause mom and dad to feel a certain way mm-hmm. or are so overpowering mm-hmm. because they want to make sure that they're doing something. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I have moms that'll say, well, I just don't know. I just don't know what I want. Right. I'm so I'm grieving. I don't know what I need at this time. And that's why if I have family members that'll call my office and it's like, okay, Ashley, like my sister suffered a loss. What can I do for her? And I encourage, listen, just a simple text. Like, can I bring you dinner? If you have other children, can I help with the children? Just little simple things. It's hard for a grieving mom or a dad in that moment to know exactly what they need. They do not know what right. they need. And, and if they say what they, they don't know what they want or need, the reality is that I would think what they want and need is they want their baby to be there. That is so true. That's what I would be thinking. Right. You know, and so it is a roller coaster of emotions. And you're right. Some people, I mean, look, it's, who, and I'm not trying to make light of this, but I mean, nobody really looks forward to going to funerals, right? right? It's uncomfortable. You sometimes don't know what to say. If you, if you're spiritual and you don't know if the other, you know, the, the people with the loss are spiritual, then it can get a little, it's just uncomfortable, right. you know? Um, and I, I just think sometimes people just need a hug. They do. They need to know that you're thinking about, I mean, I'm that's not right. a counselor, and I, but, And you know. I say that often. If I have someone, that's another thing I suggest, just being present. Yeah. Just being present, just knowing that they have you there if they need. Sometimes, right, we don't have the right words. We don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes just being physically available for them if they need. Yep is the most important thing we can do for family and friends. What I also try to do is because I feel like, so I had a good friend of mine, her um, sister passed away last year from a long battle of breast cancer and she was 42. And this, my friend had lost her mom back in 2004. And uh, I love this friend to death, but she is a little bit more closed in, you know, but I knew she was overwhelmed, but I also wanted her to know I'm thinking of you. You know, and so I try to be sensitive. I'm not perfect, but like I'll send a text or call and and basically say at some point in there, do not feel like you have to respond. This is just me telling you I love you and I'm thinking of you. And then, you know, because sometimes I feel like when I tell, I I feel, maybe you, you can give us some guidance on this. I feel that if I can offer to do something instead of asking her what she needs, because like That's you right. said, most of the time yes. they don't know. They don't so know. most of the time people are going to need food yes. or they might need help with their kids or right. they might need you to go to the grocery store yes. or something like that. You know, you know, your friends and your family that's going through grief. So I try to think about like, I don't really want to add to their already 
overwhelming plate. And again, I am sure I've done this and I've triggered something because it's going to happen because it's an emotional time. Yes. You know, and we're not truly in their position. Um, But I just think that um, I personally think not acknowledging it probably is not the best way to go um, just because we can't read minds. And that's what I hear often. Um, I have families who will come into my office and that is some of the hardest things for them is the family doesn't say the baby's name. The family doesn't bring up the baby's name. Mm-hmm. As a grieving parent, that's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Because they want to, you want to remember you your baby. Do. You do. It's probably a fear. They, I don't know if they've ever expressed a fear of, hey, just like forgetting, you that's know? Right. Um, and how do you keep their memory alive that for their very short time that you had with them. Um, And I keep bringing up my friend who lost um, her baby at 31 or 32 weeks. We actually had gone out to dinner and I've known this. We have been very close for a long time and we went out to dinner. It was maybe three to six months after it happened. And I asked her at some point, I said, you know, do you want to talk about it? And she told me the whole, she told me the whole story, you know, and she was very raw and it was a very raw conversation, but you know, she would have said, I don't really want to talk about it tonight. I would not have pressed it. Right. Right. Um, and they named the baby beautiful name. And so, and she talks about her. Yes. She still talks about her. So this was probably, I think this was, I would say this was 10 years ago, you know, it just takes some time. So that is something else that I am very, very, um, I do at Maddie's. So once I receive the application, um, I do reach out to the family, but then I do my first follow-up call one to two weeks after. And that allows the family to be able to have the service, Mm -hmm. be settled back at home. And my follow-up calls, I am very consistent with because I think it is very, very important. If a mom does not answer the phone at two weeks, that is okay. I leave a voicemail and I simply say, this is Ashley from Maddie's doing a follow-up call. You can return my call if you choose. And I leave my number. Mm -hmm. I have some moms who are ready for emotional support and are ready to talk about it shortly after. I have others who at my six-month follow-up call will say, okay, Ashley, I think I'm ready to come in and talk. Or I'm ready to attend a peer-to-peer support group. Or I'm ready for the mentorship program that Maddie's provides. Um, So I think it's just really important to just, you know, continue to have the Mm follow-up. Let them know they're not Mm -hmm. alone. But also know that this is their grief journey and no one else's. And that I have to allow them to make the decision when they're ready for some emotional support. Yeah, and I would think that no two people grieve the same. Absolutely not. You know, and um, the time part, I feel like, is something that we say, and it's true. It takes time. Uh, I am an inherently impatient person, and so it's just, you know, I think sometimes, um, actually, I was talking to a lady that works here. Her sister passed away a couple of weeks ago, and she was just like, I'm just still surprised at what, She's like, I'm waking up in the middle of the night. Like, I've never done this. You know, and I think people are surprised. Like, it takes, when people say a long time, I don't think it's a month. No. You know, I don't think it's a year. And that's what I always tell my families, too. There is no time frame on your grief. Um, Different things may trigger you on your journey. Yeah. Like, bring you 
um, right back. And, you know, I spoke with a mom this morning um, who called and she suffered a loss about a month ago. And she was like, Ashley, I, I, I just feel like I'm crazy mm-hmm. because I'm so emotional and no one else in my home is feeling what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And I had to explain to her, you carried your baby inside of you. Yeah. You had that connection. Not saying that your spouse is not grieving and is not hurting, but your pain is different than his right now. Yeah. And, you know, we have, and we see that, you know, dads will kind of go into protective mode and work mode, right? So they're working extra hours and that's how they're grieving. And then you have mom at home who is just not ready to return to work, cannot physically, mentally, emotionally return to work. Right. And I think oftentimes on the grief journey, I have moms that will reach out and say, I think I'm ready to go back to work, but then I'm not sure if I am. And I always suggest, you know, possibly starting maybe part-time or half days, kind of gradually allow yourself to get back into the workforce in order to be able to allow your you, you to continue um, healing as best as you can. Yeah, and I think that there's just certain times where those moms probably can't even imagine ever feeling happy or, for lack of better words, normal. And like getting up, drinking a cup of coffee, getting ready yes. to go to work, or taking your kid, you know, if you have other right. kids. And I, I it, it's just there's – there's just so many emotions, you know, there's, and I say that often too, you know, when you're grieving, when you suffer a loss, you will never be the person that you were before the loss. And it's basically just trying to find your new normal. And I feel like that could be really hard for people and like for people to really truly accept that. And I would think that the acceptance part of that journey is maybe the hump that gets people over for, like you're always going to be grieving and it's not that you'll never, you know, that you'll wake up and it's like just a blip in your memory, especially something like this. Right. right. But maybe the, I mean, cause I feel like it would, and I'm saying acceptance. I've heard some people have, have described it as, you know, I finally feel a sense of peace, whatever yes. that may be. Yes. And so I think that acceptance part one, it's hard, right? It's hard to accept that. Yes. That it happened. And some will never accept. And I'll be completely honest, Mm -hmm. doing this grief work that I've been doing for over 10 years, um, I do not know if I would honestly say that I think that is one of the stages of grief. Acceptance. I struggle um, because I don't think it, losing your child is not something you will ever truly accept. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you think that... The reason for that is because that's not the way life is supposed to work. Right. You know, we say this often, um, you know, when I hear some of these heartbreaking stories um, that these families experience and come through um, at Maddie's, it's just not, it's just not fair. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Um, And I see why several families have a hard time and, and not question or not be angry this is not the normal process right this is not how it is supposed to happen and I'm just so um, truly blessed to work for an organization that really just 
is there for these families. I, I'll be honest, when I get calls from several different states really? asking, do you know if there is a Maddie's Footprints in our state? And we are very, very fortunate to have this amazing organization, thanks to Lori and Travis. Um, McGrew. McGrew. Yep. For, um, you know, wanting to keep and honor Madeline and being able to help so many families. Do you think that, I, I, I asked Mandy this too, and do you think that, there, okay, let me see, let me say it like this. If you're getting calls from other states, then that tells me as an outsider of this organization, learn just learning about it, that there's a need. Right. And do you think because it's just such an uncomfortable thing for people to talk about, that is a real, you know, like, why don't, why, why is there not a Maddie's Footprints in every state? Right. You know, and I understand logistically, like you're right. an organization, yes. you can't just be like, we're going to go on. <laughs> but I'm just saying like. How come other people haven't necessarily, I don't want to blame anyone, but right. thought about this, you know, um, obviously Lori and Travis are a very special individuals who took their grief and their loss and, and took it and wanted to help others. Not that they're still not grieving, but wanted to help others. But I just think it's, um, it's something that's not talked about a lot, right? Uh, mainly probably because it's an un- it's uncomfortable for people. Um, but yeah, it kind of, it makes me sad, honestly. Right. It makes me sad. Yeah. But- and that is why our, um, we do one Zoom call a month. Okay. It's on the first Tuesday of every month. And this, we open it up to any state. So if I have a family reach out to me from another state, I let them know, listen, we cannot provide the financial assistance because it's not in our yep. area, yeah. but we can provide some emotional support. Um, and I have had moms from other states get in on our Zoom call um, just to have that peer-to-peer support. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, our peer-to-peer support is really important as well. It allows you to be with others um, who have experienced the same similar pain that you were feeling um but it allows them to be able to know that they are not crazy yep um they are truly normal Mm -hmm. and grieving Mm -hmm. the loss of their child and i think that knowing that you're not alone and that there are others that have gone through it i mean that's where there's emotional support groups right i mean it's just it's it's an impossible journey to do by yourself. Absolutely. So I uh, wanted to talk, um, October, the yes. month of October is infant, is it infant loss awareness yes, month? Yes, it okay. is. Yes. So where did, how did it come up with October or is that just, you know? I believe it, it's just the month that I'm not really sure okay. how it all came about. But um, I do know that um, on our Inn at Maddie's Footprints, we will be on our social media um, sharing different quotes and different um, sayings, um, really just to allow our families to know that we are keeping um, their baby's memories alive, mm-hmm. which is so important. Um at Maddie's and we also have our two upcoming um, 5k walks yes yes so we're, we're excited we're fresh on memory that's yes. in October yes okay so in Acadiana it will be October the 14th 
and here in the greater Baton Rouge area, it will be October 28th, Okay, which is a great time for us to, you know, celebrate these babies who did not make it to their first birthdays. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it is Infant Loss Awareness Month as well. Okay. So um, definitely a special time for us to allow these families to come out and um, be with others who have suffered a loss as they have and just kind of like a little birthday party yeah. for their babies. Yes. So I'm going to ask you this, you know, and, and Mandy, one of the things whenever she came on, I think that, so I can tell you have a good disposition. Thank you. <laughs> You're, you know, and so, and by that, I mean, I think it really takes a truly a special person who views this as their calling. So like one of the things I think about if I'm, you know, y'all are telling the story is just like, you know, I would think some days are really tough for y'all because you're, you're, you know, you are trained to do this, but you're still, I mean, I'm looking at you, you are not a robot a void of emotion, right. you know? And so, um, I think to know that you're going into hard situations and you're really there to help these families, like that is truly a calling to me that you and Mandy, that y'all have felt. I agree. Because I could just imagine some days you're like, okay, I've talked to eight people today and, and you're there for them. But it's also, it also is sometimes I tell my, my own therapist, I'm like, am I wearing you out? You know, because it also can just take an emotional toll on you and and Mandy and everybody in the organization. Some days are harder than others Mm -hmm. for me. Um, but I can honestly truly say, um, I have only done grief work. Um, I did hospital setting. After hospital setting, I worked for Healing House, which okay. is another amazing nonprofit in Acadiana who um, help children who have lost either a parent, sibling, or primary caregiver. Okay. Um, so I worked at Healing House as um, a facilitator for the groups. And then after, um, I did hospice work, which okay. I absolutely loved. I loved doing hospice. Um, but then Maddie's Footprints yep. um, came and I was like, you know, I've always had a passion for Maddie's working in the hospital setting. I was the social worker who would submit the application on family's behalf. Gotcha. Okay. So I knew so what you were Maddie's, familiar with the I was very familiar. Okay. So when I was approached um, asking if I thought this would be an option for me, um, I just knew that there was a reason that this position opened and this is where I truly needed to be. But oftentimes I do have people that are like, Ashley, how do you do this? And as difficult as it is, it is also very rewarding. Mm -hmm. When I do sessions or support groups with families and I see how they are moving forward in their grief journey and are still struggling at times, but are learning to keep their baby's memory Mm -hmm. and honor their baby. I know that I'm doing something right. And I know that this is truly what my plan is. Mm -hmm. My plan is to be that person who is able to help these families at some, one of the most difficult parts of their lives. Yeah. That will change them forever. But I will be completely honest. I have days when I cry as well. Yeah. I, um, I am a very 
emotional person. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are some days when I do have to compose myself. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think it's important to let these families know that my heart truly Hurts breaks for them, for them mm-hmm. um, and that I am truly there for them yeah. on their grief journey. And if they need, all they have to do is reach out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, let's do, we're going to, we're going to pivot a little bit and talk okay. a little bit about your, I like how you put your fun fact. Oh, okay. And then we'll get back to <laughs> how, you know, how people can donate and all that kind of stuff at the end. Okay. So you've been married to your husband for 12 years and you'll only dated for 10 months. We did. You said, well, you know, we you did. know. You do. You do. <laughs> Sounds like it. You knew when it worked. <laughs> Absolutely. You did. Okay. Um, and then you love turquoise. Yes, I do. Okay. Where, where, do you, have you always just liked that I color? I do. I just, I love the color blue. Yes. I do, too. I like the color blue as well. I wear a lot of blue. Me, too. Uh, I don't know if it's my color to wear, but I wear a lot of blue and, like, my my company's logos in blue. Okay. So, your favorite vacation was your honeymoon in Cabo. So, what made that so fun? Um, I just think being at a different – we had never been before. Mm -hmm. Um, It was all-inclusive. It was just a fun, nice place. Um. We had no worries. I was going to say, you probably haven't been married. relaxed since then. <laughs> no. I have not been back. <laughs> you probably haven't been relaxed. Yeah, it is nice to just go someplace where there's like it is. not a lot to do. Right. So my husband and I really like going to the Grand Marriott that's in Fairhope. And there people right, we don't, and we don't golf. It's a big golf place. Right. People are like, but there's not a lot to do. I'm like, I know. And I read like four books while I'm there. That's the point. That's right. what I want. I, want, I don't yes. need to go. We do our little active vacations and stuff. Okay. Yes. And then I love how you put Mexican food because I love Me- – I'm cooking Mexican tonight. Mexican we cook, we cook is Mexican my favorite. All the time. It's yes. so easy. Yes. So, Okay. Um, so those were her Ashley's fun facts. And so, um, remind our listeners best way if they want to donate or to find information out about the events, I believe y'all have an Instagram page. Like what's the best way? Is Best website? way is probably our website. Okay. Um, so it's maddiesfootprints.org. Okay. And we'll link that here. Yes. All of our, um, filling out applications, making donations because once again we are a nonprofit, yep. so we rely on our great community to be able to continue to support and um, help these families um, so you can make donations on our website we also do have a social media page for greater baton rouge area that oh. mandy does a great job with um, sharing links and quotes and for all of our families. Okay. Um, and then we also have one for Acadiana as well. And you're the program director for both of those? I am. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes, well, I, I was following along with the story because it started, yes. it was based in. It was based in Acadiana. Okay. That's yes. what I thought. Okay. Yes. And then when I was hired on in October, we took over Greater Baton Rouge in November. Okay. Okay. Um, so, yes, I am the program director for both. both. Okay. So, my office is in Lafayette. Okay. But I do come to Baton Rouge once or twice a month to okay. do individual sessions. Okay. A couple sessions um, here in the Greater Baton Rouge area. And, um, you know, we recently hired Mandy to do events and marketing here in Greater Baton Rouge. So eventually our goal would be able to have another program director here in Greater Baton Rouge area, especially with, unfortunately, um, the amount of families that we serve. Um, 
but at this time, yes, I am the program director for, for both. both. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can see that there's, you know, y'all have expanded. We have. And I think, I feel like you are an organization that y'all continue to see the need. You'll be able to build infrastructure. Yes. But I also understand it doesn't happen overnight. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, well, Ashley, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for Sharing your story me. and what Maddie's Footprints is doing for the community with just such a, like I said, just such a, an uncomfortable topic to talk about. It's such a hard time for these parents and their families and, you know, our heart goes out to them, but I'm so grateful that you guys exist. And I know that they are too. Thank you so much for having me. And I think it's just important to spread awareness of what Maddie's footprints yes. is. Um, and just to reassure those who unfortunately do need us that they are not alone. And yep. that is what our mission is, is to provide that financial assistance, but also to provide the emotional support to walk this journey with them. Yep, absolutely. Well, thanks yes. again, Ashley. Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.